This is the Red Sign Podcast, a deep dive into legacy wealth building through real estate. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to part two of our conversation on energy efficiency. I'm Clay Winder. I'm Hayden Hewlett. We're excited to finish up our episode here. This is the juicy stuff. Do we start, do we start with how we ended our teaser? Do we talk about solar panels first? Or no, let's tease it a little longer. Oh, let's boy. tease it a little longer. If you guys missed the last episode, we talked about the first two of four conversations on housing energy. We talked about housing uh, uh, concert, excuse me, energy conservation, that's your building envelope, and then energy uh, consumption, which is some of the high-tech, you know, uh, smart tech that you can put in a house to make sure that you're managing your appliances and your toys and all that good stuff efficiently when it comes to the energy. But right now, let's talk about the really exciting stuff, the energy creation and the energy storage. So all you doomsdayers, all you preppers, this is more of the conversation you want to hear. So where do you want to start? Let's go with uh, well, let's creation. Start with- Let's let you're saying, right? Let's let's talk. How are you creating energy in your home? Yeah. So as as Hayden mentioned before, I'm building a house right now. And I I took a class about two years ago when I was designing the home that was a sustainability class at the University of Utah. And my mind got like going crazy because sustainability talked about everything, right? Building materials and how to transport the building materials and the carbon footprint. And it even got into, and you'll hear people argue, solar is all just a hoax because it takes more energy and and carbon footprint to create solar panels than it does that it creates and yada, yada. And I don't know about all the science on that, Uh, but it was still interesting uh, to have the conversation of, hey, there are products out there and, and building materials and strategies that actually are really efficient. One thing I'll say on sustainability that we kind of talked about in the last episode is that uh, I always thought my whole life, one of the, the, the paradigm shifts that I had in my head is I've always thought that lumber was like wasteful. We're, we're tearing down our forests. Like, why wouldn't we build homes out of stone like Europe or build homes out of steel or things like, why are we bulldozing our, our rainforests to build houses? And I kind of thought that that was like a knock on America versus Europe until I took that class and realized that America and Canada actually have their forests pretty sustainable. We are regrowing our forests at a pretty great rate, like Mm. compared to what we're consuming. And so therefore building with lumber is a fantastic product. And the class went really deep into how they are, they have some building scientists trying to figure out how to use these fireproof timbers to build high rises. Like, have you ever heard that before? They're literally trying to figure that out because steel is is a finite commodity, whereas lumber technically isn't. If we can manage our forests right and build with lumber, we can just keep on growing. One of those apartment plans that we looked at once that were listed had that. Isn't it? Wasn't it some new? Yeah, well, right now, and I don't know, it's either four or five stories you can do with lumber. Higher than that, still, the code is you got to go to steel. So, but they're getting better and better with it. So, just a little side information. Anyway, the whole point of this being is that class really set me down the path of, hey, if I build this new home, and a lot of people are having this conversation with us, why not try to not just be sustainable in general, but why not also be really energy? conscious with the conservation and the building envelope, but also on how do we create it and how do we store it? And that's what I want to talk about right now and why I get excited about you preppers because the off-gridders, the preppers, the doomsdayers, whatever you want to call it, the whole idea is they don't want to be dependent on the grid. Well, guess what? Neither do I. I. I love the idea of knowing that I'm not 
reliant on the grid, maybe to a, to a small degree, but not to a large degree. So when I first started designing my home, I thought, all right, what do I need uh, to run my household and how can I get multiple sources for it? So we I, I thought about water, you know, I'm going to need grid water, but will I store water? A lot of people do, they have their water storage. So yeah, the answer is absolutely yes. And then a kind of a third level to that is, do I have a good filter? filtration system if I need to go to the lake that I'm building my house by, maybe, right? And I was, okay, well, I've got water taken care of. Well, what about sewer? Well, guess what? Sewer flows downhill. I should be okay. I'm at the end of my neighborhood. If it backs up, then I have a problem. But ultimately, the the, the city can't turn off your sewer. Hmm. So stop paying your sewer bill. That just keeps accruing. You <laughs> Thank goodness for gravity, right? <laughs> but then, of course, the last conversation is energy, and that's the big one, and that's energy from two places. It's either electricity or gas, right? Mm -hmm. And so a lot, of, uh, a lot of cabins and things will say, hey, we'll go heavy on gas because you can get a propane tank. You can store it, right? You can store propane above ground, underground, uh, you know, all of that. But electricity gets a little trickier, right? We've, we've got to create it and storage has been very difficult for years and years and years until more recently when batteries have, and, and spe specifically improved. home batteries have, have become a thing and have improved. So on this house, I thought, okay, first and foremost, energy creation. Do I have the ability to do hydro? No. Do I have the ability to do windmills, you know, get wind? I don't know, but I doubt it. I don't, there's, there's all kinds of permitting and all kinds of stuff you've got to do to get wind. The obvious answer that everybody in America knows about is solar. So solar, there's a lot of solar guys out there that are selling solar. And then, and to finally get to the question that we teased with, does solar increase a, a home's value? Yes or no? I would say, based on my experience, that it can give a better curb appeal but it does not increase your home's value. Value is in the eye of the beholder. So if you yes. have a buyer that says, hey, I like the idea of solar because it gives me the warm and fuzzies, sure, it creates value. If you can economically show them that, hey, these solar panels are, are eliminating a power bill. In fact, we're even selling some power back to the grid. So economically, yes, it creates value. What would an appraiser say? We run into this all the time as real estate professionals. And the answer is simply, what do the comps say? We've talked to multiple appraisers and we say, hey, there's a $40,000 solar system on top of that roof. And he says, great. If I have comparables that can show that homes with solar panels sell for more than homes without solar panels, then you'll get value. Now, whether you get 40 or not is up to the comps. But when that door sell, that door to door salesman says, oh yeah, you'll instantly add dollar for dollar value. And eh, he's probably full of crap. He is full of crap. He is full of crap. Yeah. Now you might get a higher offer. Sure. You might get a higher appraisal, but it really depends on that buyer. It really depends on that appraiser having comps. And right now in Utah, we're getting lots and lots more solar. So we'll get there. But right now when we sell homes with solar, it is hard to have comps that have solar. Yeah. My recommendation would be to pay cash for it. Yep. Finance as little as possible, especially when it comes to that, because it can actually cause more of a mess when you go to sell. Not a huge mess. We can deal with it. But. Yeah. And some companies will say, hey, well, we have a program where if you want to take your solar panels with you, we've sold homes. I've sold a home just recently where we excluded the solar panels because the company said that they would take it with you. Well, guess what? That company was out of business and we still took the solar panels, but we had to have another company that came out, unscrewed the panels. We had to fix the shingles, do all that stuff. It was a mess taking the, it's the one and only 
only home I've ever sold where they took the panels with them and it was a mess. I'd recommend you just include it in the sale. Pay cash and leave them. And just consider it part of the home. Now, a lot of the value really comes from just that, that, that voice inside you that wants to be good to mother earth or wants to have you know a better impact and, and less reliability on the grid and it is challenging in utah because rocky mountain power we know they're still burning coal i don't know how much of the energy we use is is from coal but we still have some what some might call fairly dirty you know energy creation here here where we live and so you can get the warm and fuzzies by saying hey i don't have to rely on that i've got i've got I've got solar. Now you can cross a line and I cross this line far. And that is where the solar costs so much that it's not an economic decision. It is just to give you those warm and fuzzies. Uh, I'm among the first to have uh, the Tesla solar glass, not solar panels, but solar glass. It is awesome. Uh, if you guys want to see it, reach out to me. I'll give you the address. You can go drive by it. It's about halfway done as, uh, as we record this episode. Um, just announce your address. Yeah, I'll just put it out to the, the world. Heck no, I want to stay neat and hidden. If you personally reach out to me, then we can line something up. Uh, but it does, it, now the reason I went with the solar, the Tesla glass is number one aesthetics. I personally don't care for the look of solar panels. Um, I just don't like them. Um, the nice thing where I think Tesla really scored is it looks cool. It looks like a metal roof. It looks like almost like a slate roof. It looks pretty awesome. Um, the performance is phenomenal too. Most, most houses, and again, if you're a solar guy listening to this, you can challenge me. I'll talk in generalities, but I feel like most houses, when I ask people how many kilowatts they get, they're going to say like eight, nine, maybe 10. I've heard some as high as like 14 on just like normal panels. Uh, but this, because every little inch of your roof can be this solar glass, I'm at a 22 kilowatt system for my house. So my energy creation is a lot. Economically, it's a dud. It, 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 it costs a lot. Uh, to put in perspective, I'm at like $4 a kilowatt if for you solar guys out there, whereas normally you can buy stuff for like $1.75. I'm like almost, I'm more than, far more than double. Yeah, like and Elon Musk has come out and said that oh it, they way over yeah and you can justify it by saying well the Tesla solar glass is your roof too so yeah. I don't have to have asphalt shingles I don't have to remember, like it is my roof they they Tesla has this really nice membrane almost like a TPO membrane that kind of replaces the normal traditional black tar paper and then these solar shingles just go right on top so in a way I saved money because I didn't need a, a roof but even when I factor that in I'm still paying a lot for this dang roof now so that cost Claus, will get down when Santa Claus comes in jumps on your roof is he going to slide down because oh it's shingles? slippery oh yeah but it's tough because i've had a lot of people say wait it's glass it's not really glass you can come i've stepped I've, I've literally jumped on it just to when the when the guy was showing me like it is tough it is tough probably the, the as they are installing it, they're walking all over it with their steel toed boots now they could scratch it that's what i'm a little worried about but so far they're just like marching all over it. it's tough tough and they're stuff. supposed to like come out fairly easy yeah if one breaks you could unclip it then? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've yeah. walked on them. Yeah, you're not you can... worried about getting up and doing Christmas lights and fall like having one disconnect or anything. Um, I guess that could happen, but they're they're like secured. Pretty they're well. secure. Like it's nailed in. Like they're 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 screwed in tight. In five years. The biggest fear so is they're slick. They are slippery. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's it's not like asphalt shingles where it's they're glass. You know, yeah, it's like a glass product. So cool. it's pretty cool. Um. Anyway, yeah, it's 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 a cool product. Um. But again, it's uh it's uh yeah it's worth it's worth considering but maybe not from an economical standpoint but it's it's fun to do that leads to the final conversation of storage so and well 
energy creation, I guess the last thing I'll say is generators and doomsdayers and preppers, you get that. If you don't have solar, really your only option is generators and you're going to burn either gasoline, like you'd put in your car, diesel, unleaded, whatever it's going to be, or you're going to burn propane, or you can even hook up a generator to like the grid if you wanted to burn natural gas, because our grid has natural gas. So you can create energy with a good generator. And I've even considered that. Um, and I still might consider that if my solar is not performing quite at the level that I want, I honestly might still do a generator and uh, we'll see. And I might just put the carburetor on there where I can do normal gas. We'll mm -hmm. see. Um, energy storage. Energy storage has been pretty much obsolete. Really, there's only two places that I know how to store energy. And if you know of more ideas, please share them with me because I love this conversation. The first place is like kind of the granola in me. And that is you can store energy in Mother Earth. And that is 51 degrees. When you go six feet down, you're 51 degrees. And so that's why geothermal for heating and cooling your house works so well. And again, it's pretty pricey, but it does work because you can always get energy at 51 degrees out of the earth. So you can store stuff. You'll even hear, well, I won't get into it, but you can... You can do a lot with that science of knowing that, that you can store that, that cold air or hot air. You, know, you can send stuff down through a ground loop system into the earth. The other place, of course, for when it comes to actual energy, not just BTUs, but energy, is storing in batteries. There's a handful of batteries out there. I don't know all their names. The only, the only one that most people know about is the Tesla Powerwall. But I will say this. There are alternative products to the Tesla Powerwall. They're out there. Just Google it. You'll find them. Uh, they're out there. But let's talk about Tesla since that's the most popular. And of course, that's what I'm doing because I like wasting my money on the fancy products. <laughs> Powerwalls. Um, you can have up to six in a house. I'm going to do three in my house in hopes that I can monitor, th monitor that and see that coupled with my 22 kilowatt system, how many days potentially I could go with my consumption, uh, with my conservation, uh, with all of those things in place, how does it work for me and my house? Like how, how long can I get? Cause a lot depends on when people say, well, how many batteries do you need to like, to truly be able to have the solar keep up when, and so you can totally be off grid so much of that depends on how well your buildable envelope was built, how much you consume as, as a lifestyle, as a household. And there's just no, it's so hard for them to model it. There are people out there that'll model it. But if it's a new home, you've never lived in it, you have no data to go off. So I'm going to start with three power walls. I'm going to watch the data. I'm going to watch my lifestyle. I'm going to document the heck out of it. And then depending on how that goes, I might get up to the full six to see how that goes. Because my ultimate goal on this house would be to be net zero. And what that means is that I am, I am creating and storing enough energy uh, that I am, I am essentially netting zero to the power grid. I'm not giving any back, but I'm also not taking in. I'd love to give some back, but here in Utah, it, sadly, you don't get very much money when you sell back to the grid. It's like pennies to the dollar. So I just want to store it. I don't want to give it back to the grid. I want to store it in these batteries and keep it and, and, and use it and hopefully get to that net zero. Um, other terminologists, well, terminology you'll hear is uh, you'll hear the word passive house. A lot of people talk about a passive house in the same regards of, hey, I want kind of an off-grid net zero house. Know that that can get a little confusing because passive house is actually a certificate that you can get. I think it came out in Europe. I'd love to learn more about it. I'm only aware of one officially certified passive house in Utah, but passive house requires that you like heat and cool a lot of your house with windows and like the angle of your house. Mm -hmm. I decided not to try to go 
for that uh, passive house credential, um, but that I would still read a lot about it and do a lot of things. And then finally, the other one that's probably among the most popular is a lead house, L-E-E-D. That's a certificate that there's a few more here in Utah, uh, but they that's a that's a certificate for a sustainable home. And uh, but that will also require some really far out things like proximity to a bus stop and and things like that. Um, but explore those if you're really into having a green, you know, a green construction, a green house. You might want to explore the requirements for passive house or the requirements for lead. Again, I chose to do a lot of those things, but not risk, you know, not tie myself down to having to actually hit their requirements. But all of them will talk about these four four topics. So I'll talk about you know a lot of you know, a lot of these things. There's, there's, there's a lot more than just these four. There's that we could get into. No, about I love it. This is great. The, the cool thing about you and building this home is that you've, yeah, you spent a lot of money on the Tesla shingles and all that, but you also put a lot of time and effort into getting it the way you wanted it. And yeah. You save money in the places you want to save money and you focused on where you want to focus. And really the difference between the home you're building. I mean, most people can build a home between 130 and 200 bucks a square foot. If you get really deep into all this high energy efficiency stuff, you can get over 200 bucks a square foot. Which I, Utah County, which I am. And I'll, and I'll be the first to admit, I'm over $200 a square foot because of a lot of these things. I yeah. could have saved money, but it's important to me when you guys are all in a power outage, uh, I will place pay. house. Come what to my house. Mean? Yeah. That's what why I'm not putting, that's why I'm not putting my address over the air. I don't want to get ransacked actually you know what i'm the opposite i'm not a doomsdayer you know where i'm gonna have guns and protect my castle guys if you need some help and, and it's the end of the world you come on over i'll bring my gun you bring I'll your gun all over you. we'll you give me power i'll, I'll give you some power some you can crack into my water storage <laughs> and we'll have a good i'm also gonna do a rainwater collection you can have 1500 gallons above ground you can bury 2500 gallons of rainwater that's the utah state law really? but i'm only going to water my landscaping there's some extremists that collect rainwater pump it out of their cistern in their backyard and literally use it for their gray water like flushing toilets and stuff no there's so much cool stuff like that wow. i'm not going to go bring any of that rainwater into my house but i am going to do my landscaping that sounds awesome. All on rainwater, not culinary, because I don't have a secondary water source. There are neighborhoods in Utah, a lot of them, where you can have irrigation water or secondary water. I don't have that. So I thought, well, I'm going to bury a 2,500-gallon cistern in my backyard. I'm going to have all my rain gutters go through piping that's going to fill it. I'm going to have a pump I'm gonna have a pump in there and uh, so do my landscaping. Pressurizes everything. It's, it's, it's all pressurized. There's a little exit so you can clean it and do the thing. You can actually crawl down it, have a little manhole in it. It's going to be great. Wow. You know what? And kudos to you. This Clay is a good example of, and I'll finish here. You are a good example of somebody that has lived like no one else, so you can live like no one else. So like, you have lived in a town <laughs> home for how many years now? Uh, or moved from investment property to investment property and flips and holds, and now you've been living in a town home for three or four or five years. Uh huh. Four or five years. Yeah. You, and back, I don't know what I'm going to do moving from like these tiny little houses and townhomes to an actual house. Right. Gonna, so I might are, get. You are a great example. You and Johnny, who you're your neighboring well i'm excited for it and i hope this house i i really do hope this home becomes kind of an example of like what can be done and i know i'm overpaying for it but i kind of feel like i got to be the change i want to see in the world and i do get tired of some of the boring homes that we have in utah and i shouldn't say boring but just they're just not very they're not very friendly toward mother earth when we could be you can call me a tree hugger hippie i don't care what you want to call me um, but we have so much of this technology, we have so much of this stuff, and we're not embracing it on a wide scale. It's like, 
very small scale. So I'm hoping that, that, uh, you know, this can help change the world. Awesome. Thank you. Hopefully this was useful. If you guys have very questions, exciting. which I'm sure there's a lot of things you could dive into, reach out to us. Anyway, join us next time on another episode of the Red Sign Podcast. Have a great day. You've been listening to the Red Sign Podcast, a deep dive into legacy wealth building through real estate. See you next time.